as Dieter said, we're going to be uh, leaving the church here at 3 o'clock, so keep us in prayer just for open doors and for salvation for children and God's great um, opportunity that um, sometimes even in the delays, there's great opportunity. Did you know that? Sometimes we think, oh, the bus broke down or this or that, and sometimes it's that opportunity where it opens the door for us to do something that we hadn't planned on doing. And uh, we, we need to have our eyes open to that. So um, this morning we're talking about knowing your role and not role like sweet rolls that grandma used to make, because I know those roles, <laughs> but to know your role. And um, if you uh, watch too much TV like me, then you know the great theologian Dwayne The Rock Johnson um, kind of coined this phrase years ago about knowing your role. And sometimes I think we don't know our role. I don't think we realize who God has made us or what He's going to do in us. I don't think that we understand the role that we play. Sometimes we only see our own situation and it all seems disconnected. But in God's mind, it's all connected. We're connected to each other. And and before we get too deep, just let me say this is one of the purposes of the local church. Uh, there's a movement that's continuing to grow. It's, be, it's because we're drifting farther and farther from the Bible, and that is isolationism. But you were not made to do life by yourself. And you say, well, I've got a partner. I've got a spouse. I've... You need other Christians. You need to be in the house of God where you hear God's Word. You need to have the accountability. You need to have the, the weight of the Holy Spirit that is different here than when you're in your car thinking that you're uh, getting the Word when you're listening to it, driving to work. And I'm thankful that you do that. But we become multitaskers. And when we become multitaskers, as the old phrase goes, we become the jack-of-all-trades and the master of none. Because you can't fully focus on the audio Bible while you're driving. If you do, you won't be driving very good or very far. And you're also thinking about work and you're talking about that idiot that just did such and such. And so you're not fully concentrating. We need to be people that get into God's Word. Where it's dedicated just for that time where we're not multitasking. And again... Audio Bible, it's not a sin, it's not a bad thing, but it's not the same as finding your place where, hey, I've got, I'm taking this 10 minutes, and I'm not watching the kids, and I'm not listening to the game, and I'm not doing this. I'm just focusing on the Word, and I want the Word to get in me. Because when we get into these situations, when we find ourselves encountering life, then we wish we had God's Word in us. Then we wish we knew what to do. Then we wish we had a better relationship with God. And that's the problem is we, we want God's blessing. And then we go on with our life and we do our stuff. And unfortunately, sometimes tragedy hits, disease hits, debt hits. And then we wish we'd been in the house of God. Then we wish we'd had rich relationships. Then we wish that we were better connected. And I don't want you to have those situations. I want you to know that you are connected to Jesus Christ, that you are full of Him, full of the Holy Spirit, and you've got people around you that you can call instead of, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to respond, and I don't know what this means, and you're awkward, and you don't have anybody that you're connected to. That is not how God designed you. And we're going to see that knowing your role means that it is based on relationship. Everything that God does is relational. Did you know that? Not only His relationship to it, but our relationship to him and to others. And we're going to see this played out in this great story this morning. And, and I'm just going to tell you up front what the, what the different roles, the different characters are this morning. As we read this story, there's a man of God character. There's a woman in need character. There's some sons. There's some neighbors. And there's also the anointing as a role as well. And so if you would, if you'll turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, seven short verses, but so rich and so full this morning. So one day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets, which is this, this collective of, of men of God that would go out and declare God's word. She comes to Elisha. And she cries out to him. Okay? So first of all, she knows him. And he just, quote, happens to be passing through. And here's what she says. 
My husband who served you is dead. Relationship. And you know how he feared the Lord. Relationship. You seeing this this morning? But now a creditor has come. Let's stop right there. How many of you have great relationships with your creditors? I don't. (laughs) Do you feel like they have great relationships with you? (laughs) It's easy to demand things from a stranger. It's easy to threaten things when there's no relationship. It's easy to feel disconnected when there's no relationship. It's easy to just go and take when there's no relationship. That's why I say everything's about relationship and God wants us to be in good relationship, first of all, with Him and with each other because He doesn't want us to be takers. He wants us to be givers and blessers and protection and nurturers and healers and all the things that He plans for us to be. We're not just designed to be consumers. We're designed to be contributors. Now look at this. A creditor's come and look what he does. He's threatening. You pay me the money or I'm taking your son's. You pay what you owe, or I'm taking the most precious thing you have, and you can buy them back because I'm taking them as slaves, and if you get the money, you can buy them back. But also, let's be real, we know creditors with interest. The Jews knew what it was to be slaves. It's richly ingrained in their history. And it's the thing that God promised them that once he brought them out, that they were never supposed to put themselves in a place to be under bondage and slavery again. That's why he set some rules and some standards, not so that they don't eat bacon. God doesn't hate bacon. (laughs) Not so that they don't wear such and such clothes, it was so that they would not get themselves in debt, that they would not bring themselves under the control of another earthly master. They were supposed to be God's people, guided by God, protected by God, provided for by God, and they have to be people that make decisions not to find themselves in debt. And I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about in every form of debt, spiritually, emotionally. Because when we find ourselves in debt, there's always a creditor. And for the non-physical material things, that creditor is the devil. And he will come asking for his due. You're in spiritual debt? I'm on your doorstep. You got what I want? Oh, you don't have the answer. Yeah, nobody else does either. And I'm just going to speak to this for just a second before we go on. We're in a weird time in the world, and I get that. And, and it's a strange place for the church because we're trying to refine our way. Uh, God's not confused about what the church is. We're confused about what the church is. But I've heard way too many people say, you know, hey, I've been coming there three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks a year, and I just don't feel connected. Oh, are you in a small group? No. Do you come on Wednesday nights? No. Do you have some people that are around you? No. I wonder why you don't feel connected. No relationship. But nobody's called me. Nobody shook my hand. This is a two-way street, people. This is the way that it works. The Bible says if you want friends, you must first be friendly. Woo! Quit coming late and leaving early. Quit being a consumer every time you talk to somebody. I need, I need, I want, I want. That doesn't sound like a friend. You didn't meet this need. You didn't meet that need. You can't comfort me. You didn't really like my post. You didn't. That's not friendship. That's not relationship. That's a codependent bad relationship. We're supposed to have healthy brother-sister relationships. You want to get connected to this church? We're giving you lots of opportunities, but it's not all on me. Half of it's on you. 
Okay? I make myself available. I'm a, I could sit in my office and wait for church to start. It's easier. Man, I could not have to roll out of bed till like 10.30 because I can get dressed fast and roll in here about 5 to 10, get mic'd up. I want relationships. But that also means that not all of us are going to be best buds and friends and, and I rub people the wrong way. I get that. I'm trying to work on that. But for you to think that you just exist outside of relationship, you just come and go as you please, it, it doesn't matter what you do or what you say or who you're with or who you're not with, or that you can just dissect yourself from the world and the body of Christ, I can just be alone. You're out of God's plan. No matter how saved you are, you're out of God's plan. You need to be connected to other people in a small group. Even this is not enough. I'm glad you're here this morning, but you need people that are going to look you in the eye and see whether you're lying, whether you're hurting, or whether you are just empty. And I can't do that on a Sunday morning. You need other people. Just like this woman knew she could go to Elisha. Why? She had relationship with him. She wasn't demanding. She's asking in a moment of need. And she also believed he would help. But she reminds him of the relationship. I had a husband that served you. And now something has happened that we didn't plan I expected my husband to live. He was the breadwinner, and unfortunately, the bills have been stacking up. We don't know how long he's been dead, and I don't know what to do. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've lost somebody, and you realize what happens when your income goes from two to one, (laughs) and the mortgage is stacking up, and the bills are stacking up, and you don't know how to fix the car, and you didn't even know you had some of these bills. You understand what's going on with this lady. But you know that he also feared the Lord. Somebody's coming to take my sons. These are my sons of promise. These are my blessings, and I don't want them to be slaves. And notice what Elisha does. I love it. He doesn't have some pat answer. He doesn't say, hey, Jesus is the answer. Hey, just go to church. Hey, maybe you need to go to the temple. Hey, have you prayed? Notice he doesn't say that. He does what relationship people do. What does he say? What can I do to help you? What a great phrase for Christians to learn. It's too easy. I'm just, like I'm saying, I'm, I'm excited. I've got a great trip planned this week. We're going to have a great time. I'm not upset. But I'm telling you, church, we've got to change. It's too easy to say to somebody, hey, I'll be praying for you. You know what takes guts? You know what takes relationships? What can I do to help? That means you're stepping into the mess. Not just acknowledging you've got mess, and I don't want to get in that mess, but I'll pray about your mess. You see, Jesus always walked into the mess, didn't he? Elijah seemed to walk into the mess. Elijah seemed to walk into the mess. This is what he's called us to do as Christians, to take the God in us into the mess of the world and do something about it, not just acknowledge the mess and pray about it. We've been given hands and feet to reach out, to walk in, to be the provision of God. You've got to know your role. And it's not to just, yeah, that must suck. Pray for you. Because that wears really thin really fast. Because if you really are going to pray for him, do it then. Do it on the spot. Well, we're in line at Safeway. Yep. I haven't seen the sign outside Safeway that said no praying aloud. And I'm just going to ask you, just for my own personal comfort, don't get weird when you pray. You don't have to go back to the food aisle and grab vegetable oil and open it up and pour it all over them. You don't have to shake and jerk and yell and stand on top of the cash register and declare. How about you just lay your hand on that person's shoulder and speak the power of God into, you don't have to have the fix, but you can speak God's word, God's comfort, God's hope into their problem, right? 
If they are hugely in debt, you can't fix that unless you just happen to have several hundred thousand on you right there at the spot. But you can step in and provide hope and comfort and connection that they don't feel like they're alone. Because you're going to see here in a little bit, this woman's not living in the wilderness by herself with her sons. She's in a community. How do I help you? You tell me, what, what do you have in the house? Isn't this amazing? He doesn't just say, God, send down a pallet of money. Poof. And some of you think that's how God works. That doesn't work in my theology. God works in the material and the supernatural, but he rarely just rains down dollars. He's very practical. He uses mud. He uses sticks. He uses water. He uses oil. What do you have in the house? What's she say? I got nothing. Now, I'm going to use my imagination here. I don't think it detracts from the story. But I believe she's been in debt for a while. And she's been selling stuff off. She sold off everything she can get money for. And so her house is basically empty. And it's her first response, just like it's our first response. When God asks us a question, like, what have you got? And we say, Nothing. And then something sparks off in her brain. I don't have anything except a flask of olive oil. And a flask is not this big, huge tank outside like a big propane tank. A flask is a little tabletop that they would just use to flavor their food with. Easy to be held in the hand. That's all I've got. Sold everything else off. I don't know what to do. Look what Elisha says. Now again, this is not a financial message. This is a provision of God message. And provision is relational. Provision is relational. What he says. What you need to do is go downtown... Get the financial peace tapes. Here's some websites that you can listen on how to realign your money and consolidate your debt. He didn't say, let's go find some water and I'll bet you there's a fish with a coin in its mouth. You know what he said? I want you to go borrow from your neighbors. I want you to go borrow as many empty jars, as many empty vessels as you can from your friends' relationship and neighbors' relationship. He didn't say go to a far land and buy something she can't buy. Go borrow from those you know. Isn't that interesting? Go borrow from those you know. What's your role this morning? Maybe you're the one in need, but maybe, just maybe you're the neighbor. Maybe you're the friend that God has positioned to lend, to give, to be God's provision. And if we're not careful, I'm not picking on Dieter, we get hard-hearted and we're like, I think about today. What would this look like today? What are you going to do with those jars? Especially if you're a Christian, what if she uses it for something bad? (laughs) What do I get out of you borrowing my jars? I I don't want to I don't want to be part of this problem. Sorry. Not my issue. I mean, I got no offense against you, but you know, I'm a busy person. I, I don't want to have to worry about coming and recollecting my jars. I just have we ever done that? You know what the Bible says? Somebody asks for your shirt, give them your outer garment also. And if you do have it, don't say come back tomorrow and get it. Give it 
today. Give it right then when there's need. The problem is we've become way too religious. Well, I'm going to need to pray about that. I need to pray about you using my jars. Give me a couple weeks. We'll be dead in a couple weeks. My boys will be gone in a couple weeks. That doesn't help me now. That's why I came to you. We have relationship. I don't need you to fast and pray about giving me empty vessels. Notice they didn't ask anybody to pour out their stuff. It's just the extra sitting around. And we're talking about water pots. That's what he's asking for. Empty vessels that each household would have to go and fill up water or put grain and stuff in. I don't have anything. You just go and you borrow from your friends and your neighbors. Then he gets interesting. Great. I'm going to, okay, I got it. Go borrow, go borrow jars. I don't know what the jars are for, but I'm going to go borrow them. <laughs> then I want you to go into your house with your sons, and I want you to shut the door behind you. This is not a public display. In church, our private faith... Our private faith is what helps bring provision. Our private faith, when it's not on display, where it's not about showiness, where it's not about anything else, it's about me. I want all the problems right in this room. It's about me and my sons. Good. Then you go in your house and you pray with you and your sons. You pour out with you and your sons. You get alone with God with you and your problem. The problem is we're slacking on our private faith. What does Jesus say? Go into your prayer closet. When you go into your private place, the Lord sees you. And what you did privately, He will reward publicly. It's not just some Old Testament story. This is a standard for how God does His work. You want to have something happen outwardly? You better get in privately and have that relationship that you're going to trust and obey. Notice that she obeyed. Well, how many vessels and how am I supposed to carry them all? What if my house is too small? What if, what if, what if, what if? What am I... uh, This is impossible. You said that I've just got a little bit of oil. It won't even fill just the bottom of one of these things. Notice she didn't say any of that. Bring your sons in. Maybe you're the son. Maybe you're the family member that you can't fix the problem, but you can still be part of the solution. You know what your mom's going through. You know what your dad's going through. You know what your brother's going through. And no, you can't solve it. Only God can solve it. But can you be part of the solution? Can you get together with them and help with the faith and you keep it here, not only so that it doesn't become some disrespectable situation. Notice Elijah didn't say, I want you to go out and declare to everybody that you're destitute. I want you to go to church next Sunday, and I want you to let everybody in the temple know, I've got nothing. I need your charity. He didn't say that. They, the neighbors didn't know. And, and I wonder what the neighbors were thinking. What is up with her? She must be really dirty. She needs all these water pots. She never asked for like this before. This is kind of strange, but we're good neighbors, It's just a few water pots. And then I want you to begin to pour your olive oil from your flask. He didn't give her anything. You got that flask in your house, right? I want you to begin to pour the oil into those empty vessels. Now look at this. This, like I said, we could, I could spend the next four Sundays and thank God for you, I, I'm not going to. Because something supernatural happens when we take, no matter whether it's small, it's just something small. But when we put something small in the hands of God, it becomes more than enough. 
And I think sometimes we say, I'm just not sure I have enough faith. You put your small faith in the hands of God, and it becomes more than enough. But you don't pour out your faith. It will never be enough. And God does something between the flask and the vessel that as he pours it out, what you thought was contained and finite becomes infinite, becomes supernatural. That's the miracle. The oil didn't change. Still oil. And her vessel didn't get bigger where she's got this big thing. Sometimes we want those kind of miracles instead of the faith that it takes to just keep pouring. Pouring ourselves out in prayer, pouring ourselves out in worship, pouring ourselves out in acts of kindness, pouring ourselves out. Even Paul says this, right? I'm being poured out like a drink offering. What are we designed for, church? To be poured out. You know why? Because he has an unlimited supply to fill us back up. The problem is we're holding back. We're getting stingy. We're the ones, well, what if I don't have enough? We've got that fear of lack. Instead of you pour out and you let me pour in. You pour out, I'll pour in. You don't pour out. And then we wonder why maybe God isn't doing what God says he would do. Maybe you need to know your role. You think you're supposed to be the pour in person. That's his job. You're the pour out person. Pour out on your friends. Pour out on your neighbors. Pour out on your children. Pour out. Pour it out. What are you holding back for? Pour it out. Well, I need to keep... That's that's part of the American dream, not the plan of God. Well, you know, we might get into a tough spot. That's a lack of faith. God knows your tough spots. God knows exactly how much you have. And unfortunately, because of how we're wired, it it really makes us go, woo, when God says, hey, what have you got already? He did the same thing with Moses, right? I I don't know how to lead these people. What's that in your hand? A stick. That'll do. (laughs) You see, we're looking somewhere else for our provision. I don't want the oil. Direct me to somebody rich, would you? If you're God, then have some wealthy widower that needs a good woman come by here tomorrow, and this will solve the problem. What have you got? Okay, now you acknowledge that you've got something. And some of you, your nothing hasn't even been tapped yet. Some of you, your nothing hasn't even been tapped yet because you keep overlooking it. And it's right there. And it's part of the key to the provision of God, but you're looking someplace else. It can't start with me. It does start with you. It starts with your faith. It starts with your acknowledgement that you have more than you thought you had. Then he says this weird thing. And it it makes sense, but I want you to see the spiritual, incredible information that God downloads for us. You need to read your Bible, church. I mean, really read it, not to check off the box, to read it, to let it get inside of you. So you fill those things up. You pour out the oil from your flask into the jars, into the vessels, and then what are we supposed to do? You set each one aside when it is filled. She's sitting here watching vessels from one flask. I don't get it. (laughs) I don't know where the oil's coming from, but you see, some of us get caught looking at what's already been provided. Some of us get caught in the past, that vessel's full. You know what God says? Set it aside. I've got more for you to do. Set it aside. 
We get stuck in, I remember when I was filled. I remember when it was awesome. I remember when new life was filled. I remember when my prayer life was full. I remember when, set it aside, there's more that gets to be poured out. He's got more for you. I remember when I used to worship, pour out more. He's got the ability to pour out, but you've got to set the past aside. What was is not good enough. He wants to take us to what is. Do you understand, church? You think, oh, I'm only getting this far in prayer. Pour out just a little bit more. Not another hour. How about another minute? And see what he does. Because it isn't until we get to the end of ourselves that God needs to show up. The problem is we don't want to get to the end of ourselves. We're happy with ourselves, and we're full of ourselves, and He's trying to get us emptied of ourselves so that we can be full of the Holy Spirit. And when He begins to pour out, it pushes out the negativity. Well, I don't know if this is ever going to work. And it pushes out the fear. What if there's not enough? And it pushes out the doubts. This guy's crazy. What if this isn't the answer? And that oil pushes it all out. And it fills the empty spaces of our lives. But you still have to pour. And she could have stopped at one vessel. I love the original language when he says to go borrow empty vessels. This is the NLT this morning, but it says this, and don't borrow just a few. Faith. Can you imagine these sons running around? Hey, got any empty vessels? Uh, what for? I don't know. Mom just said we got to pick up vessels. Uh, I think there's a couple out back. Great. Hey, mom wants to know if you got any empty vessels. And they're hitting everybody in town, right? Keep bringing them back. Here's another one, mom. Here's another one, mom. Uh, whoa, they have oil in them. Uh, <laughs> Keep bringing them back. Keep bringing them back and setting them aside and setting them aside. When's the next one? And can I, I'll just insert this right here because I don't want to forget it's important. This is the message of Jesus Christ at Pentecost that I will pour out my spirit on all empty vessels. How about that, church? That's from the Old Testament right there. You've got empty vessels. I've got enough to fill them all. Man vessels, woman vessels, Kid vessels, old man dreaming dreams vessels, all kinds of vessels. They're empty, I'll fill them. You don't have to worry about filling them, I'll fill them. But I need you to be part of the equation. Notice that he had people at Acts chapter 2, right? And what did they do? They stood up and poured out and waited for God to pour in. Put each one aside. Now we've talked about all the actions of that, but I also want you to understand the obedience. She didn't question Elias. She didn't say, "What kind of a crackpot plan is that? What do you? How is this going to work?" There's obedience. First, she went to a man of God, and then she obeyed, and she put her private faith into motion. But that obedience is a key factor in our provision. See it throughout the Bible. Go and do this, and you'll be cleansed. Go and do this, and you will be healed. Go and do this, and you'll see. And every time they did it, God showed up just like he said. And the times where they didn't obey, either made a very long delay, read Abraham sometime, or no provision until they obeyed. (laughs) And we think we can do what we want, and God will just pour out. That's not the God of the Bible. That's the God of this world. Verse 7, or verse 5, sorry. Amazing. Another great simple teaching point for Christians for today. She did as she was told. I know you got all kinds of rebellious stuff in you, and you hate being told, and you hate being under authority, but welcome to Christian living. Submission and obedience are the keys to everything in the kingdom. Without submission, without obedience, you may not even make it to heaven. 
That's just fact, folks. She did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing jars to her. Mom, I'm getting tired of these jars. I don't know how old the sons are. And she filled one after another, pouring, 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 pouring. And I can tell you, if it was me, pretty soon my faith is big. Keep it coming. (laughs) Yeah, let's fill it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. Another vessel. Fill it up. Hurry. This one's almost full. Fill it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. Now, I mean, now you can almost sense the excitement. I don't know about you, but I do. It's like, this stuff is amazing. This is never going to run out. Keep bringing the vessels. Keep bringing the vessels. Keep bringing the vessels. And then something weird happens. Soon every container was full. How far? Not lacking, right? In fact, I love science too. To the brim actually means that if you got down eye level, because of the viscosity of water and oil, that the water or the oil would actually be above the top, making a little half circle. So filled to the brim means that there's actually more than that vessel can contain. That's our God, church. More than enough, more than we can contain. The problem is we stop too soon or we won't pour. I got to keep it. I got to have it. You're asking me to give what little is left. Yes, he does because there's so much more to pour out for you. It's not about him. He's got all he needs. Do you? It requires something of you. There's a sacrifice. Go back even farther in the Old Testament. Sacrifice of praise. Go back in the Old Testament to all the offerings. If we're going to have relationship with God, it costs us something. Even as small as a heave offering or two turtle doves, it always costs us something to have relationship with God. It cost His Son His life. And you think you can have a relationship with God and others with it costing you nothing? It doesn't happen. Relationship costs us something, which is maybe why we're struggling with relationships because we've become isolated and greedy. Well, I'm not going to pour out if they're going to pour out. Just like I said, well, I've been going to that church for time for you to pour out. How about you cross the room and find somebody you haven't met and introduce them? How about you invite them out to coffee? How about you say, hi, my name's Bob. What's your name? And it'll be a surprise when the other person, well, my name's Bob, too. Hey, we've got new best friends. Way to go. Every container is filled to the brim. She says, bring me another jar. Faith. Look at that. She didn't have enough faith to think one was going to get filled. Now she says, bring me another jar. Look at the transition that's happened in her. I've got nothing Bring me another jar. This is awesome. Look what God is doing. Bring me another jar. And what's the son say? There aren't any more. And in my mind in this story, the, the woman goes, aw. Like trying to get ketchup out of those old glass bottles, right? Come on. There's got to be some more left. As soon as he said, look it, remember what I said about the spoken word? As soon as he said, there's no more left, the oil stopped flowing. She just got finished filling that whole container, and I don't know, maybe it looked like, every time I think it looked like the oil was leaving the flask. But whatever happened this time, she's pouring and... Now... Had she been American, I know how this story would have ended. Great, God, now I don't have any oil in my flask. Thanks. You can fill all these, but you've got to empty this. Thanks a lot. Am I serious or what? We ignore the huge provision, and we're talking about a flask. Some of you have ignored the incredible provision over your life, but you're worried about the flask. 
small and almost insignificant when he's filled and filled and filled and protected and filled and provided and we, oh. We want him to fill our vessels, but we want to give him the thimble. Here you go, Lord. The oil stops flowing. Acts chapter 2 again, Revelation again. I will pour it out, basically, until he's filled everybody that's supposed to be filled. And then the Holy Spirit will stop moving like it's been doing. She does something important. She doesn't just rush to market. She doesn't just stay in the house and have a little praise party. Woohoo! Look what the Lord has done. This is awesome. She goes back to the man of God. Interesting. She goes back because sometimes when God provides, we're not so sure what we're supposed to do with it. See, you thought you got a raise because you're so cool. And then you buy a jet ski. But God knew you were going to get laid off next week. And that extra provision was to get you through the week. But you spent it on the jet ski. You thought that extra provision of time was for you to binge watch Netflix. And I love Netflix. Well, that extra provision of time was for you to get alone with God because of the hell you're about to face at the end of the month. That extra work that you weren't asking for and you really didn't want was the provision of God saying, yeah, because I know what's coming ahead. Many times, we only see our little flask and we don't see the huge provision that he has provided. And we need to go back to him. Lord, you've provided this. You sent the raise. You sent the bonus. You sent the extra. Somebody gave me an extra lawnmower. What do I do with this? Instead of, it's mine. I do what I want. Lord, you brought this. What should I do? Notice what he tells her to do. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to market yourself with an oil ministry and put up a big sign in front saying, woman with the everlasting oil. Like it's some magic trick. I want you to go sell that olive oil. And, look at this. God didn't just take care of the debts and give her all that stuff. What? Take what's been provided and pay your debts. What a great financial advice from our Creator. Pay your debt. And, look at this. I've given you enough. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 and he turns to one of his disciples and says, hey, they're, they're all hungry. And he says, you feed them. Remember that? If you haven't read that, you need to read that. And he says, with what? <laughs> and they searched the crowd. We found a couple of fish and a couple of loaves. And Jesus is like, bring them to me. Right? Same story. Bring them to me. And he gave thanks for the small thing. And he began to break it. You remember the end? And when everybody had their fill, 5,000 men, women, and kids, when everybody had their fill, they collected 12 full baskets after. Because God is a God of more than enough. Look what he did for this woman. I took care of your debt. Now that's what you asked for. Isn't that what he asked for? You asked for your debt to be taken care of so that your sons wouldn't become slaves. But I'm the God of more than enough because of our relationship, and your sons are not going to be taken as slaves. Your debt is now paid, and you're going to be able to live with your sons on what I've provided after. 
That's our God. And you may be saying, that's not my story. Maybe you haven't got your role set yet. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you're the person that keeps demanding of God, but you aren't doing your role. You got to know your role, church. Are you the man or woman of God that you've been through a circumstance and you need to speak into somebody's life you need to pour out? Maybe you're the widow or the person in need and you need to actually speak your need. Here's the problem. Instead of worrying about it, instead of complaining about it, instead of whining about it and by God, instead of Facebooking it, how about we just speak it to God? Maybe you're the son. Maybe you're a family relationship that you can't fix it, but you can go and be part of the provision. Notice that all they brought her, oh, God, he is so good. They brought her more emptiness. Right? What'd you get, son? Empty vessel. And some of you, you need to start seeing the empty vessels that have been provided as something to be filled. Instead of complaining, emptiness, all I've got is emptiness, all I've got is emptiness, right now. By faith, you start pouring out. You be obedient. Even if it sounds crazy, you be obedient. And if you're the man or woman of God speaking, speak God's word, not some pop theology, not some weirdness. They don't need your financial advice. They need to hear from God. You understand what I'm saying? That's why we've got to be people of the word. All that financial mess, he didn't give her any financial advice. He pointed her back to God so that she would see that God is our God provider. He is the God of more than enough. Your addiction is not too big. Your family problem's not too big. Your debt's not too big. He is the God of more than enough. All you have to do is provide your emptiness and start to pour. What's keeping you from pouring? Pride? Waiting for a sign? I'm your sign this morning. Pour. God's Word is your sign this morning. Pour. But I don't have anything. Yes, you do. Maybe you don't understand what you have, but you've got something. You think it's nothing, but little in the hands of God is more than enough. You keep it out of His hands, you're still left with nothing. You put it in His hands, you've got more than enough. I don't understand how that works, but that's what He does. I don't understand. I could, we could probably figure out the molecular osmotity of that oil and how all, that's all science stuff. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Because of relationship. So I'm going to ask you this morning, how's your relationship with God? This story show you where we're lacking? This short story inspire your faith. This story says, now I've got a reason to throw my emptiness out there. Is this provision is relational, church? First of all, with God, and then with the people around you. And some of you this morning, I got to handle this before we go. Some of you are thinking, I am blessed and highly favored. I don't need anything from anybody. That's not an excuse not to have a relationship because very soon you may have a need. Very soon you may have something that can't be solved with your pocketbook, that can't be solved by your house, that can't be solved by your great car. There may be such a deep emotional need or a loss that that can't be filled. And then where will you be without relationship? Your prayer relationship is broke down. You barely pray. You just pray thanks. Oh, thank you, Lord, at dinner time. And you've got no relationship with the people around you. You're not in a small group. You're disconnected. Then who are you going to call on? Do you think Elijah is going to show up? At best, you come to your senses and say, maybe I need to go talk to pastor. And then I'm going to be the jerk that says, hear what the Bible says. But that's not what you want to hear because you're out of relationship. You don't even know where my office is. You don't even know my first name. And then you want to come and... Have me solve your problem. And I'll pray for you. I will. 
But you need to have a relationship with God and more than just one person. And you stop isolating yourself. You need to stop making those excuses and step in and find the rich relationship. Because we've got a bunch of great people here that are full of the Holy Spirit ready to pour out into your emptiness. We've got a God here that inspires us to be ready to pour out into the emptiness of others. But if we don't pour, He doesn't fill. And if we don't show our emptiness, He doesn't fill. So I'm going to ask if you'd stand up with me this morning. We're going to have a time at the altar. I know it's it's getting there, but it's only 1043 in Guatemala. You got a need, you got an emptiness, you want your role. I mean, it's, it's, it's all of these roles this morning. Maybe you need the courage to be the son to step out. Maybe you need the courage to be the man or woman of God to speak. Maybe you're the woman stuck and you don't know what to do and you need to ask God this morning. So part of that activated faith is activating your faith. It takes no faith to stand there and watch. Here's why. You stand there, nobody knows your need. You're just a vessel that everybody else thinks is filled and everything's okay. You got one of those needs, whether again, not financial or any of that, whatever it may be. You line yourself up saying, God, I, I want to be the man and woman of God that's ready to pour out. That's you. God, I'm stuck in a spot. I've got so much emptiness, I don't know if you can fill it. That's you. God, I'm affected by what's going on in this, but it's really, it's not about me, but maybe I can bring something to the table. Maybe I can be the help. It takes that active. And maybe you are the anointed person full of the Holy Spirit that you've just been waiting for somebody to ask this morning, I'm asking you. Stop sitting, stop standing, stop waiting, and start praying and laying on hands. Stop holding it back. You've been filled for a reason to pour out. So if you fill any of those bills this morning, I just want to invite you to come forward and we can allow the provision of God through relationship to begin to happen. You got a disease need. You got a financial need. You got a marriage need. You got a, I can't even quantify everything. You know where you're empty. I dare you, I challenge you to present that emptiness to God. You know what he told Paul? Your, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you can't do, my perfect strength kicks in to do. Come this morning. That's you.